History of Rugby League Podcast, Episode 1, Birth of the Northern Union and the First Championship. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the History of Rugby League Podcast, a trip through the annals of the greatest game's history and a closer look at some of the most important moments in rugby league. My name's Dan Barker and I will be your host and guide as we step inside our rugby league time machine. As this is the first episode, we're going to go right back to the beginning of the game and look at how the Northern Union, now known as the Rugby Football League, was formed, as well as looking at the inaugural championship season of 1895-96. As we know, the game of rugby was allegedly pioneered by William Webb Ellis, a Salford-born pupil at the rugby school in Warwickshire. History has told us that apparently during a football match in a PE session, that Webb Ellis picked the ball up and ran the length of the field holding the football. This game proved quite popular, and by 1871, the Rugby Football Union had been founded in London in response to the number of clubs forming across the country. In 1886, the RFU imposed a strict ban on the paying of rugby players in an attempt to not only safeguard the game's strict amateur code of conduct, but also to stop the dominance of the game from the northern clubs, with early England squads made up of predominantly northern-based players. In 1892, the RFU levied charges of professionalism at rugby clubs based in Bradford and Leeds. By this time, a divide had already occurred within the game. In the South, rugby was seen as a hobby for affluent middle-class gentlemen, whilst the game was played in the North by the working classes, who found themselves needing to take time away from work in order to play in organised matches. The fees paid to players were known as broken time payments, and were looked down upon by the RFU, despite the Union paying the British Isles team that had toured Australasia in 1888. A year after the punishments to Leeds and Bradford, several clubs from Yorkshire tabled a motion to legalise the broken time payments to compensate lost earnings for players who missed work to play in matches. Unsurprisingly, the RFU voted against the motion, and following the vote, mass suspensions on northern clubs and players begun. By 1895, discussions were held and rumours began to abound that the Yorkshire clubs were planning to break away from the RFU and form their own league, which would allow the reparation of working-class players. The move may have also been inspired by the formation of the Football League in 1888, a professional soccer competition consisting of clubs predominantly from the north of England. On August 27th, 1895, an emergency meeting of the Lancashire-based clubs was held in Manchester, with the result being that they were willing to support their Yorkshire-based counterparts in any proposed resignation from the Rugby Union. Two days after the Lancashire Club's meeting on August 29, 1895, representatives from 22 clubs met at the George Hotel in Huddersfield and formed the Northern Rugby Football Union. Dewsbury declined to join the new organisation, feeling unable to comply with the decision and requesting extra time for consultation. whilst Cheshire-based club Stockport telegraphed the meeting, requesting acceptance. Following Stockport's admission to the Northern Union, neighbouring club Runcorn were also admitted at the next meeting. The inaugural 22 members of the Northern Union were Batley, Bradford, Brighouse Rangers, Broughton Rangers, Halifax, Huddersfield, Hull, Hunslet, Leeds, Lee, Liversidge, Manningham, Oldham, Rochdale, Runcorn, Stockport, St Helens, Tilsley, Wakefield Trinity, Warrington, Widnes and Wigan. 
H. H. Waller, chairman of Brighouse Rangers, was elected as the first Northern Union chairman, and the new Northern Union competition was scheduled to commence in early September. The season would consist of each team playing each other home and away, with the team finishing top of the table at the end of the season winning the championship. Results accrued during the championship season would also contribute towards separate county championships. Whilst full-time professionalism was still outlawed, Northern Union clubs were now permitted to make broken time payments up to a maximum of six shillings a day to cover earnings lost by playing in the matches. As the inaugural Northern Union season got underway in September 1895, calls were made to change elements of the rules to further benefit spectators as well as to differentiate the game from that played by rugby union clubs. With this in mind, on October 1st 1895, an experimental game was played between Manningham and Halifax at Valley Parade. Observed by a large paying crowd and the majority of the Northern Union directors, the game was initially played with a round ball until midway through the first half when the ball burst. A traditional oval-shaped ball was then used as a replacement round ball could, until, until a replacement round ball could be found. Little attempt was made to kick and dribble with the round ball and was not deemed a success although some of the other rule changes, such as the reduction in players from 15 to 13 aside and the abolition of the line-out, were looked on favourably. After the game, which ended 3-all, the ramifications for the Northern Union would be great in the long term. The race for the Championship would go down to the final day of the season, as Manningham travelled to Hunslet needing to win the match which would deliver the Championship to Valley Parade. Backed by a large travelling crowd, armed with banners and scarves decked out in the claret and amber colours, it would indeed be Manningham who took the spoils by a score of four points to nil. The game was played at a fast and furious pace, with the match referee having to intervene as both sets of players were embroiled in a tough and physical affair, which was in danger several times of boiling over. The game's decisive moment came in the second half, when Jack Brown's drop goal attempt went over the crossbar via a massive deflection off the posts sending the sizeable Manningham contingent of the 15,000 crowd into raptures. Remember earlier when we said that results were also contributing to the separate county championships? Well, unsurprisingly, by virtue of their championship win, Manningham also took home the Yorkshire League title. With the Challenge Cup still over a year away, Manningham have the distinction of being the first rugby league club to win any sort of double. On the other side of the Pennines, it was Runcorn, one of the Cheshire sides admitted to the Northern Union in the days after the meeting at the George Hotel, who took home the Lancashire League title. Winger Jack Hurst of Oldham ended the season as the top try scorer, crossing 28 times during the campaign, whilst George Lorimer of Champions Manningham finished as top goal kicker, scoring 35. Lorimer, however, had to share the honour of top point scorer with Cooper of Bradford, with both players tied on 106 points. I do just have to say a quick thank you to Dave Naylor of Oldham's media team for providing the information about which position Jack Hurst played in. He also sent me a scan of Oldham's record from the 1895-96 Northern Union season, which made for interesting reading. Thanks Dave for all your help. The season finished on April 29th, 1896, three weeks later than the usual schedule that players were used to and the strain of regular trans-Pennine travel also took its toll. 
With this in mind, the Northern Union announced before the season's end that the championship would be abandoned for the foreseeable future in favour of extended county championships. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that the rules we are accustomed to in the modern game were all thought, of, thought up and set out at the foundation meeting in Huddersfield, but this wasn't the case. With the exception of the experimental game at Valley Parade in October 1895, early Northern Union matches still featured 15 players on each side as opposed to the 13 we see today. In fact, 13-a-side rugby league only came into being as late as 1906, and it was also in this year that the first incarnation of the play the ball took place as a way of carrying play on after a tackle had been made. One other rule change the Northern Union made in order to differentiate the game from the RFU was to abolish the line-out after the ball had gone into touch. In 1897, the, the line-out was replaced with punting the ball back into the play from touchline. This ruling would go on to last only four years, however, as in 18 1901, it was decreed that play would recommence with a scrum if the ball went out of bounds, much like it does today. What became of Manningham, I hear you ask? What role do our inaugural champions play in rugby league today? In short, they don't have one. Following the split into county competitions for the 1896-97 season, the champions agonisingly finished second in the Yorkshire League, just two points behind eventual winners Brighouse Rangers, but soon fell onto hard times. As costs of maintaining their Valley Parade home mounted and relegation stung the club's accounts, Manningham were forced to look at other activities in order to keep the club afloat. In Janu January 1903, James White, a sub-editor of the Bradford Observer, met with Football Association representative John Brunt at Valley Parade to discuss the possibility of bringing a professional football league club to the city. Meetings were held over the coming months and eventually on May 29, 1903, the committee of Manningham FC voted in favour of resigning from the Northern Union and switching to association football. With the club now renamed Bradford City, the move would be seen by the Football League as an attempt to break into West Yorkshire, which for so long had rejected soccer to remain a strong rugby league territory. Interestingly enough, another one of the founder members of the Northern Union, Bradford FC, who would go on to win a re-amalgamated championship in 1904 and the Challenge Cup in 1906, also turned their back on rugby league in 1907 to form a football club, becoming Bradford Park Avenue. It was a core group of rugby league loyal loyalists who refused to change with the club and founded Bradford Northern in time for the 1907-08 season. The club are of course now known as Bradford Bulls. That brings an end to our look back at the formation of the game and the early days of rugby league in the UK. I hope you have enjoyed it and that you will join me for our next episode which will be all about the history of the Challenge Cup. If you did enjoy the show, then please leave a rating and or review on iTunes. Not only does it help get the word out there about the show, it also helps me with things I need to improve on future episodes. If iTunes isn't your thing, then all the episodes will be uploaded onto my YouTube channel so you can listen at your own leisure without having to download anything. For more details on where to find the podcast, news on future episodes and general chit-chat, then please drop me a follow on Twitter. I can be found at Dan underscore Barker 16. Until next time, take care.